Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. Suzanne? Yes, I can hear you. I'm looking to see if you can, oh, let me see if I can fix my camera. Hang on. I got to reverse my camera. Hang on. Hey, quiet. I can see uh, some furniture. I know. I got to reverse my camera. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I've done a lot of these on the videos, and this this one on the phone is a new one. That I found out it's good for sharing on multiple platforms. So I've I've only tried it on once, one other one or two other times. So uh, trying to have a backup just in case. <laughs> How do I get it to reverse? For the um. It should be um, see like a little box at the bottom, or I'm not sure if you see what I see or not, but nope. I can see your face. I can see webcam. I am sharing my webcam. How do I turn it around? You see, um, there's no video button on your end. Control panel. Let me see if I can figure out. Camera. It also sounds like it's using both my phone and because I'm getting a lot of feedback on my sound. Oh, that could be. Well, we could just do the phone if you want. If you can't get the the other thing to work. Do we have a, are we time crunched? Uh, no, no, no. I got, to, I was going to ask, uh, that was one of my questions for you is how much time you have. So, I mean, I can do this, which is ridiculous, but I could do this. Let's see if I can figure this out. Um, are you on now? Oh, I see. I have to put it the other way. Okay. Let me try this. There's got to be a way. This is silly. Yeah, usually there's like a little um, camera button. Yeah, like it says video at the, at the bottom. I don't know if yours is the screen is the same as mine since I'm the host. At the bottom, if I move the mouse around, it'll show. It'll say mute, audio, video, all this kind of stuff. Um, you might not have that. I do not. Show me your, um, you have, all you see right now is still um, furniture. Well, now I don't even see that. It just has a blank space now with your name. <laughs> okay. Let me see if I can fix this. Uh, let's see. So it says nobody can see it. Click the camera icon to share your webcam. So I'm clicking the camera icon. Allow. Hmm. Actually, I'm not going to allow it to use my. Oh, now I see your furniture again. This service is provided by freeconferencecall.com. Muted, unmuted. There you go. Muted. Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Um, and like you said, that's my. If I'm doing, if we're doing both, it might be interference from one to the other. In which case, we could just do the phone, but um, it's not not a big deal. I just figured I'd have a backup. <laughs> There's got to change the video. 
general. Here we go. Oh, I got it. Okay, okay, front. Hello. Uh -oh, something's happening. Hey, there you are. Hi, all right. Let me fix this size so that you're not crazy high face. It's working. Yeah. There we go. Now I can see. It. I just like to have a. I like to be able to see people when I talk. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Like I, I hear on the the anchor app, but um, I can't hear on the other one. I don't know if that matters or not, but um, I turned the volume off so there wouldn't be any interference. Okay, that'll work. Do you? Yeah, you're just a little quiet. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. So how you doing? I'm great. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I was looking forward to the call here, so hopefully the timing works. The time, I'm glad the time worked out for you. Yeah, I heard your uh, podcast with uh, Dr. Laval, and I heard the one. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. That had the uh, breast the implant has started. Please note that your storage is almost full. Uh, which one? Please log in and delete recordings or purchase oh, more storage sorry. from your account. This session is no longer being recorded. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Um, uh, the one with Dr. Laval, and then I heard the one with the gal who had the breast implant disease. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was interesting. That's one of the reasons I uh, reached out to her, because uh, I, I looked at her, one of her articles about that. It's just something you don't hear much about, about breast implant illness, and I thought that was very interesting. So I wanted to pick her brain a little bit, get her personal take on that. I, it's the first I've actually heard of it, so I started reading a little bit about it. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, she, she was, uh, we actually treat a lot of those patients here in our office. Do you? Uh, have a plastic surgeon who does a lot of that, who does a lot of breast implant removal. And we treat a lot of those patients. It's very similar to treating mold patients. So really? especially now that I have peptides, it's great to add that in. Once you, once you understand the pathophysiology, it, it, it makes sense. So interesting. Mm -hmm. So this is, he's uh, like close to you that you uh, or do some patients, some similar uh, care with him. Exactly. I think he got on some Facebook website that uh, shared his name as a provider who, as a surgeon who does, he does breast augmentation. He's a plastic surgeon, but I guess he got on some website as someone who would take the plant out and now he sort of does it all the time. So wow. we share a lot of patients in common because he wants them to be treated prepped before they come to surgery so that they can handle the surgery and then right. treated post-surgical for uh, detox after surgery too. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Cool. Well, good. Well, I'm going to do a real quick intro on you for, uh, for the, everyone is recording. We'll, uh, we'll edit and tweak it later and then, um, and then I'll let you to chat. I just want to, uh, gosh, I'm sure we could talk for hours. I want, there's a few, few key points that key few things I want to talk to you about, but, uh, I'll let you go. So, um, I'll do my quick intro and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Excellent. And you said you're okay on time. I don't know how much you need to be off by a certain time or. I have as long as you need six o'clock. I'm good. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Hey guys, this is uh, Dr. Eric with the uh, Relentless Vitality podcast. I have an awesome guest today, Dr. Suzanne Turner down south out of Georgia. She's uh, the founder and medical director of Body Medical Associates. She is board certified in family medicine and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She has an awesome history of uh, uh, training, done some time with the, the U.S. Navy. She's uh, faculty at Emory in Georgia. Uh, Dr. Turner, Suzanne, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm great, Eric. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like to try to keep things fun. So um, yeah, anything, uh, I'd love to hear hear your story for those. Uh, most of my listeners are people that, um, probably similar to yours, people that are, are looking to just age better, you know, maintain their strength and their vitality as they get older, lose, you know, lose weight, feel better, et cetera. So um, tell me how you got to where you are, because I understand you, you did, obviously you were the Navy start off in family practice. How'd you get in this crazy world of uh, hormones and peptides and all this good stuff? Well, it was actually patients who got me to that place. So I started when I was, I, I guess I started doing uh, um, athletics when I was in, in high school. I was in a marching band and they required us every time you'd make a mistake, you had to drop and do 15 push-ups. And so, of course, at the time I was doing them on my knees and, you know, best I could. But of course, as you go, if you keep doing, you get better. So fitness has always been part of my life. I started teaching group fitness uh, classes in the 1990s when I was in college. And then, of course, went to medical school and taught aerobics to the 
to the nurses at the hospital. I taught a, a fitness class to the nurses at the hospital, just trying to maintain my uh, fitness during all of that. It was really a sanity thing. And then yeah. my patients were, were older patients than me as I grew up. I started out seeing mostly geriatric patients working at assisted living facilities and seeing mostly okay. geriatrics. And their adult children started coming to me. So then these adult children are 50, 55, going through menopause, looking for hormone therapy. And one of the, I wrote a prescription to one of the compounding pharmacies nearby. And the compounding pharmacist said, hey, I don't think you know what you're doing. Can I send you to a class? Uh, and so I went to the class that they recommended, which was great, and uh, was looking around for another place to learn how to do a better job and know what I was actually talking about. And so went through the A4M fellowship and board certification and then um, was looking, then I injured my hip. So I had been a runner and mostly cardio person for all that time okay. and then injured my hip because I hadn't been doing a great job of keeping my glutes strong. And was looking for a way to fix it so I could go back to running and uh, started doing some weight training, which was part of my fix. And then heard a, a talk on pegylated MGF and saw, thought that might be my salvation for my hip. And yeah. it was part of the therapy for my hip, <laughs> but also introduced me to lots of uh, bodybuilding. And that's where my, a lot of my interest is. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Mm -hmm. Good stretch. That's usually how it goes. It's like some kind of personal story or injury or something like that. Mm -hmm, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me, so your practice there, um, it sounds like I remember right here in one of your talks on the, uh, on the IPS um, lectures, I've, I did the, the whole patient lecture series. I know you did a bunch of lectures on that. Those are awesome. Um, so a lot of your patients, you kind of, same thing you kind of stumbled into. I remember, I think one of the lectures you talked about how you had some uh, so especially like your, some of your autoimmune patients who are really complicated and you first you're like what what the hell is going on and now that's probably you see a ton of that so now you've kind of mastered that so have you seen an evolution in the patients that come to you is it is it still kind of do you keep them separate the the hormone anti-aging in the family practice or is it kind of merged together how do you do that well i have three nurse practitioners who work for me and they primarily do well they all they also are all board certified um anti-aging so they do all hormone therapy we, we do a good blend of the two. It gets more difficult when you add peptides in. I think it's difficult even just doing hormones because it takes so much time and attention and individual, you know, personal care to do hormones. And a panel of blood in our office might be 80 labs. Yeah. So to sit down with someone and explain to them, it's way more than a seven minute office visit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it, it does take quite a bit of time. They do take insurance and I um, have a different uh, uh, model that I follow for, uh, for caring for patients. So um, just trying to give myself more time so that I can attend to exactly what patients will need. Um, they see fairly low number of patients per day, considering they're doing a lot of anti-aging therapies, but um, they will uh, see patients back on a frequent basis where I'll see you for two hours and I might see you again two months from now and then see you again a couple months from now. The right. plan will get implemented. We'll make adjustments as we go. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So um, like I said, there's a lot of things I'd love to pick your brain and talk to you about. Uh, some things I've learned more through, um, especially in the world of peptides and hormones. But I guess that, and you probably get this a lot too. I definitely want to talk. I know you do a lot of autoimmune, but I guess for, for my patients, what they are all interested in, I don't have a lot of um, autoimmune patients per se. I'd say most of my patients are, um, I guess their biggest complaints, I guess if I want to pick your, to talk about is one, uh, obviously, you know, losing weight, you know, how do I get, how to get rid of the fat? Number two is like tired. People are so tired and fatigued all the time, you know, and it's multifactorial. Um, you know, those are probably, and then the third one is probably like neuro. You get the people that are, you know, high, you know, you know, they're, 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 uh, they're business people or whatever. And like, how do I, how do I focus? You know, how do I keep the energy levels up, et cetera. So I guess those are kind of the three big ones. And of course, autoimmunity, well, I want to talk about that some more too. So we'll get into all the peptides. And I do want to talk about hormones and peptides, a little bit of everything, but uh, I guess, what do you want to tackle first, fat or fatigue or Anything else? <laughs> well, I think you have to think about all of it like yeah. a cell challenge. So every one of those things that you mentioned is a cellular challenge. Yep. That cell is being challenged 
either an autoimmune disease or a 50 year old guy who's an executive trying to, the cell itself is trying to figure out how to navigate functioning optimally and as efficiently as it can under the circumstances it's given. So some of it for us as providers is helping them figure out what the challenge for the cell is. And, and keeping in mind that a brain cell is a little different than a liver cell is a little different than a heart cell, than a muscle cell. And so the way to restore uh, optimal, you know, the optimal vitality or efficiency in the cell may be different depending on which cells you're trying to address. Right. All cells need fuel source. All cells need nucleus and mitochondria to communicate and they need to not be attacked by environmental toxins. So we, we you have to look at all of those factors. That's why my initial conf, consultation usually takes two hours. And we specifically order labs on patients that are different depending on which patient we see. So we're, we're tr you're trying to figure out what is causing this, the lack of cellular efficiency. Sometimes it's just the fact that the patient is 50. It's over 40, over 35, right? We know that, that hormones... Right growth hormone, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, begin to decline melatonin at as early as age 35. And so some yeah. of it is, is just a decline in hormones related to aging. And there are specific things we can do to address those things. There are lots of lifestyle things we can do, as you well know, any of the activity we do. And like I like to say, muscle is the currency of aging. So if you're doing resistance training, you are building your endocrine system to be able to handle the, the cellular uh, difficulties. It doesn't even have to be hard resistance training. This is the newest sort of, for my own exercise, what I'm learning is I don't have to do a HIIT workout in order to get a good, in fact, sometimes that's more of a challenge on a body that already has some physical challenges for whatever reason than a higher weight, lower repetition, short course activity, you, you sometimes will get a better result and increase, improve your cellular efficiency if you're not pushing that hard. Uh, so, so depending on how many hours you work, or I, I like to follow their heart rate variability and see that's a really good general marker of how well they're doing. I like to follow their libido. I think that's probably the simplest way to follow how cellular efficiency. That's a really in the office, ask them the question, how's your libido? Because right. a cell under stress is not going to be interested in reproduction, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. simple. Uh, so, so that's a simple way to figure out not, that's not just related to libido, I mean, to a testosterone levels, it can be related to uh, cellular stress. So then we also talk a lot about what are they doing? What's in their environment that may be causing them problems and personal care products, of course, are part of the problem. If their house has some sort of water damage, of course, we're going to see that be a problem in the South. You you're in Florida, right? So you're, um, or you're not. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Ohio. Ohio, yes. You're, I heard you say in Canton. That's right. Uh, you're from Canton. Um, yeah. But the folks that are in Florida, that are that's where we go to the beach. When we're from Atlanta, we go to the beach uh, in Florida. Right. And so the, the, the um, toxins from the fish in, around the Florida coast, it's real. Yep. This, we're not kidding around. And I have a patient right now who's really yeah. suffering with that Cinquaterra, probably Cinquaterra toxin oh. uh, from a clear exposure that she had. So, and this is a very vivacious, active young woman uh, who is, who has really had a big physical insult. So you're looking for what physical insults, even as simple as I have a guy, a young man in his twenties with a nickel allergy that we forgot about until he started having finger eczema show up. And when we treated, when we uh, got rid of his retainer that he'd had his permanent retainer that he'd had in place, because we remembered at some point in the conversation of asking lots of questions, oh, he had a nickel allergy. We took away his retainer and wow, his eczema cleared up. He says, wow. oh, weird, my fingers are tacky. It, they'd stick to everything where they didn't hmm. before. So it, some of it's just being Sherlock and asking questions. Uh, for those patients that we've had lots of trouble, so where peptides came in for me was where patients have had a lot of trouble for a long time and all of a sudden, I can, where I couldn't fix them before, I couldn't make, I don't mean fix, I mean, I couldn't make an impact on their cellular efficiency. All of a sudden, I actually can see things 
giving them enough energy to get back to doing what they were doing before so that all their lifestyle things actually work. Uh, and that's what was right. so exciting. Probably what drew me most to peptide therapy. Now, of course, my executives, my uh, um, athletes, I'm using them in those patients because I know they're, they're effective. But for, for my patients who really were a struggle and they were struggling and we, nothing, none of the things that we typically would do fixing their gut and changing their environment, none of that really helped. Now, when I can improve their cellular efficiency by addressing specific uh, ways that the cells communicate either nucleus to mitochondria or, or between cells in autocrine paracrine fashion, now I actually see their bodies improving. I see their health restored. You know, it's a, it's an effect where before I didn't see that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think on one of the lectures, I, I don't remember if it was you or Bill Seeds who mentioned that we were talking about, um, I think it was fatigue and like somebody had asked a question about cortisol and measuring the cortisol curves and the four point cortisol test. And it's like, ah, don't worry about that. You treat the cell, you know, don't don't worry about that stuff. And, you know, treat kind of what you just mentioned, you know, treat the cellular function. So I kind of took that to heart and I, I try to really dig into that with uh, most of my patients. I, I, I don't spend quite as much as long as you do. I'm a little bit kind of a different setup, but I'd like to, like you said, it's all, it's usually mostly in the history, but, um, right. but obviously a place for testing. You do a lot of, a lot of extensive tests. Do you do, do you do many, uh, uh, extensive hormonal tests or GI testing, like with Genova and things of that nature? I'm sure it depends on the clinical scenario, but what's, what's your approach to that? If I could get a, uh, hormone saliva panel and a, uh, GI map or a, or yeah, the Genova GI test and a NutraVal or some sort of uh, organic acid testing yeah. on yeah. all of my patients. I would, I would, it, it would be a ton of work for me, but I would also, I would really feel like I had a better concept. You know, and mm -hmm. when, when you use peptides, it's some, on, on some level, it doesn't really matter because you're, you're addressing the cell. But if they don't have enough B vitamins to help them detox, then you're, it doesn't really matter what the cell's doing because you can't, do you know what I'm saying? So there is sort of a middle ground there where you have to address their, their uh, environmental toxins, the exposures they have so that you're not, so that you're actually getting them better in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how it is down there in Georgia. I know here in uh, Ohio patients, unfortunately, they're very price sensitive. So a lot of these tests, they're just they're very costly and they're not covered by insurance or at least a lot of them are, some of them are, but uh, so it's, it's difficult. So, so a lot of times I'm just doing the basic lab testing and just really trying to answer, you know, get a good history and kind of go from there. But, you know, I say, I'd like you to get this test. So doc, I don't want to pay, you know, so it's one of those things. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. But so I and love I your, rather, uh, I, I agree with you though. I would rather them pay for therapy than pay for diagnostic testing. I mean, I'd rather that if, if it's a difference between the same price and they can choose to pay for getting better or pay for a diagnosis. The downside for me is I feel like sometimes I might treat them incorrectly if I'm not doing the testing. And so right. that's where the, where the rub comes is, is saying, I got yeah. this. This is important for me to figure it out. Yeah. And you're right. And sometimes it just takes a therapeutic trial of something. Right. I mean, I think I learned that the hard way. I think I, I emailed you that months ago. I had a, a patient who, wasn't responding to you know uh, uh, ghrps and it was that whole oh you got to treat the inflammation first you know do a trial of that and then kind of re you know that's back when i learned about that and i thought ah you know so sometimes like you said you just have to try something and then tweak and kind of modify as you go because but, if you're increasing that cellular efficiency before you're before you're decreasing the inflammation now you're just mm -hmm. creating more reactive oxygen species and making the whole system worse if instead you treat the inflammation first, get those, those macrophages to calm down so that they're not spewing out inflammatory chemicals, causing more cellular damage in the brain, more cellular damage in the gut. If you decrease that inflammatory storm first, then you can add the cellular efficiency on. Now, if you're talking about, that's when I'm, when I'm talking about treating my inflamed, you know, patients if i'm talking about treating you know athlete comes in off the street hey i got to get my extra so and so amount of time mm -hmm. sometimes you can start them with things like cellular efficiency therapies first you don't have to go to the anti um i think because of my, the way my practice is most of my patients i have to start them by decreasing their inflammation and then i can move into 
I'm also so cautious about, I'm so cautious about treating them. I think I sometimes under treat the inflammation. And so I really need to get myself in there and just like, you need to get your inflammation down. We can't play around. Yeah. Hit it hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, uh, I was going to let you talk a little bit about thymusins. Uh, I know the thymusin alpha, you're big on that. And that's one thing that, uh, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot lately too, with those pages, same thing. Like we just talked about, you know, quieting down the inflammation because there's not much, not much downside, get them calmed down and then kind of go back to that. So, um, I know you do a lot of that as well. Um, I'd love to talk to you about, or love to, to get some, uh, some spin on the peptides. You know, obviously you and I have, have, have uh, heard and talked, but some of my, my patients have not, but your, I think it was your talk you gave on, on metabolism and obesity was awesome. So, um, I want to get your take on some of those, some of the newer peptides. Uh, obviously, you know, you, I know you love the, uh, like lyriglutide and the Mata C and dihexas and things, but those are some new ones, newer ones, I guess. So I guess in terms of, uh, people that are, that are, have some weight to lose. And that's, I don't have a lot of patients that are morbidly obese. I know you mentioned you kind of had a protocol like of, of patients that are BMI over 35 versus under 35, but I have a, a lot that are. Um, so, uh, but those are some of the newer ones I haven't had a lot of uh, experience with. I'd love to talk to you about Mod SC and some of the other the newer ones you talked about in that lecture. Right. So the, um, so you have to, of course, realize that my patients, teenager. I'm losing my power. Hang on a second. Uh, you have to realize that patients, it's not, weight loss is not about, it's not only, they have to also do the work. So uh, there's a, you can't just do peptides and expect to lose the weight. You got to do the exercise. You got to change your lifestyle because otherwise you're just contributing to the inflammatory storm, contributing to the problem. So that's where I would start is by saying Absolutely. everything requires you to be doing your work on your part also. The second piece is, uh, is, is making, and I do think that we have to be aware that when patients have that over 35 BMI, we really have to look at their, um, at their inflammatory storm. So those are the patients I'm also going to start with decreasing their inflammation. Uh, that will be where I'll go first. And then I'll add on the cellular efficiency. The third thing I'm going to say is you can't use a scale as your marker of weight loss when you're using peptides, because most of the peptides affect body composition more than they affect pounds of loss. So we want to, so I use a BIA machine. I measure their water retention because some of the peptides cause fluid retention. I measure right. their uh, percent body fat, their muscle mass. I watch their uh, phase angle, looking at how healthy their cells are. That's a really good sign of cellular efficiency. And so, so that's where I'll uh, work. And we start by doing a baseline. I usually don't let the patients even see what their baseline is because I, I really want them to see it after they, unless they really want to, I really want them to see it after they've addressed the, the, the uh, after they've started the therapy, then we repeat it and they can right. see the comparison between the two. You have, I, I think you mentioned, uh, I know there's a lot of, I looked at the, like the SECA and the bodies, and I know a lot of scales just have BIAs on them too. Which, which, what's your, uh, which ones do you use? All whatever biomimpedance analyzer you have. We used to use one that, that was sort of like an EKG. I'm sorry, I forget the name. I want to say it was like C-Wave or something, but it was uh, like an EKG mm -hmm. with electrodes where the patient was supine oh. and you did their recording. Right. Cyrus, I think, was the software they used. I yeah, I think, I think, because that's been around it's for been a long around time. It's been around a long time. Right? I think. Yeah, and the reason we, we switched over to the, to the Seiko was because it's fancier, it looks better. The, the, I really liked the, you know, the printout that they use. And so we switched over yeah. to the, to the yeah. Seiko. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, I think I've got, this is the, the first device you mentioned. I think I, I remember doing that back when I wrestled in high school. I remember they took us in and hooked us all up and, we did all that stuff. So I remember those old, those, those devices, but I've seen the second, I've seen the body, the, uh, the in body. I've tried them both. I don't have, I don't have, I trying to, to figure out which one to get, but, uh, yeah, I like the information they give. Right. My gym has the in body. That's the one I use most. Um, but mm -hmm. the one I, I mean, for my own use, I use the one, the in body, but the one we have here in the office is the Seiko. Are you working, do you work with, uh, help your patients with uh, nutritional protocols and, and, and kind of nutrition plans and fitness plans too, or do you kind of outsource that or depends on the patient? So we have a dietitian in our office that works with, with patients. 
she will do a lot of that right. care. I, I definitely recommend intermittent fasting. I recommend a um, uh, that, that patients, especially if they're actively trying to lose weight, that they add ketones to what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I start them with, even if they can do 12 hours of fasting, that's, that's really hard for some people. So even just yeah. asking them to do 12 hours of fasting and then three meals with no snacks or two meals with no snacks and see if we can get them to you know, the hardest part is that evening time, usually from seven to 11 when they go to bed, that's the hardest part. And then getting them to sleep, of course, is, is critical. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fasting a little bit. That's a favorite topic of mine too. I, I have a lot of people do that as well. I've, I've read a few things with, have you noticed any change in terms of shifting that with, uh, especially with female patients in terms of fasting, uh, you know, skipping breakfast and doing that 12 to 16 hour versus doing it later in the day, getting up and eating and then stopping eating earlier. I know some people said that some people do better one way or the other. Obviously it's individual, but what's your take on that? I think you're absolutely right. I think if there's a way you can get them to not do the evening, it's just, I think not sustainable to do the fasting in the evening because that's when all the social things happen. So yeah. it's yeah. probably better for weight loss. If you do the eve fasting in the evening because of it all being social but it is, but it is um, more difficult. It's not sustainable. They could probably do it for six weeks. It's not something they could do long term if they do it. So I try to get yeah. every other day, which gives them a. Mm-hmm. Then I tell them, okay, schedule your social things on your non-fasting day. So they'll have fasting on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Schedule your socials on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I heard someone talking about that too and kind of flipping, especially for females, but um, I, I'm, I'm like you, I prefer to kind of, if I'm going to do a skip of breakfast, cause in the evenings when I get my munchies and I, <laughs> I try, not to, mm-hmm. try not to do that, but it's harder, like you said. So of course the research shows it doesn't matter what you eat during your feasting hours. It just, mm-hmm. I, I, that's hard for me to wrap my head around, but it, but it is, but it is what the research shows. Yeah, that's what they say. You know, you're just compressing that feeding window. You kind of, kind of, I guess, yeah, I have a hard time believing if you ate pizza, you know, for eight hours, you know, that your, your right. kid's going to be good. Right. I don't know. Yeah, the uh, the ketones, I'd love to, to talk to you about that. I thought that's that was really interesting, too, when I first heard that on the lectures. I know you talked about it as well, um, doing those stuff, you know, two or three times a day, especially before meals. Um, you've noticed that's helped. Uh, has that been quite a help for a lot of your patients Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. You know, uh, if they can afford it is what I was going to say. Um, but I think it's important. I think it needs to be part of your protocol of your, of your, uh, of your plan for weight loss. And so if you're doing a fasting, so this, what I typically recommend is that you fast, uh, at least 12 hours, ideally 16 hours, starting in the evening, minimum Mm. three days a week. Uh, and then you do, you'll take your ketones in the morning when you would have otherwise had breakfast. And then you do them again before lunch and again before dinner and, Patients do really well. It controls their appetite. Their actual meals that they do eat, they have smaller portions because of the ketones. And you're ketotic. So that's what's the benefit is you're getting that ketosis and the benefits of ketosis, the cellular efficiency of ketosis, increasing lipolysis without or um, breaking down, you know, the cell has the choice. The cell can choose to use carbohydrates or fats or proteins as an energy source. And so you want it to choose, if you're trying to lose weight, you want that cell to choose fat as its energy source because we want to burn fat, right? right? And so the things that we can use to choose, to encourage that cell to choose fat as its energy source, uh, ketones are one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was was thinking about that because I know Bill talked about doing like whey protein shakes, you know, a couple of times a day before meals too. And my thought, I was thinking about that. I thought, well, why don't you do both, you know, maybe half hour, half hour before lunch, you know, you know, do your ketone, chug it down with the whey protein, wait about 20, 30 minutes. By the time you probably won't eat as much. Well, and curiously, um, I have an 87 year old who has a little kidney issue and I put him on just Alka-Seltzer gold tablets before two meals a day. And he has lost 12 pounds just by doing (laughs) Alka-Seltzer gold tablets two times and twice a day. So I don't think there's, I think we're talking, what's happening with him is probably a combination of things. It may be uh, filling because it's carbonated, but it also Mm -hmm. is, that's maybe part of it. But I think it's also anti-inflammatory, you know, because it stimulates that cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway. This is a person in his eighties who has quite a bit of inflammation from from just aging. 
and he's yeah he's i think that's why he's losing weight is because we're getting rid of his inflammation so i think just attacking the inflammation even if you're putting those patients on something like ta1 or bpc157 i think you're decreasing those patients this you know peptides i think you're decreasing those patients inflammation and that's a great place to start yeah yeah yeah, that's. I think you're reading my mind because alka seltzer gold was something else I was going to talk to you about. When I first heard about that, I thought, "What?" I mean, I've we've all heard about bicarb for like athletes, you know, boosting performance and things, but in terms of helping with inflammation. Somebody mentioned it, helping mitochondrial function, testosterone function, all these different things, and and weight loss. I thought, "Wow, that's it's amazing in a little tablet." It's amazing, you know, and it's so. been around forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How have you, you, with the ketone esters, I know you touched on this too, and that's been my thing is like you said, unfortunately, they're still very expensive. That's one downside. The other downside is the darn taste. Have you figured out how, how do you get people to, to you mix it with anything? You can mix it, with anything. Your, you can mix it in your whey protein shake. You hold your nose. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you were little and you just drank cough medicine and held your nose? That's a good way to do it. You can mix it with anything. Yeah. It's fine. That, that, that's kind of what I've done in the past when I, cause I've tried it too. And I've just mixed it with water like Bill does. And then I've mixed it in other stuff too. Like you said, put it in a shake to, to dilute it. You can still taste it a little bit, but it's not too bad, but hopefully they'll, uh, they'll get some competition and it'll come down in price a little bit, but we'll see. It's not bad. If you're just doing five grams three not times a day, even if you just do five grams once a day, you're getting benefit, you're getting the anti-inflammatory benefits. Right. So it's right. worth doing. But if you do, even if you do five grams three times a day, you're still, the cost is not bad if you spread it out. And they do bulk pricing, so it's very reasonable. Right. We use Ketonate or HBMN. They're, they're very, it's doable, especially if you're trying to lose weight. What, what is your goal? If you don't lose the weight, you're probably going to have trouble with, your, with a lot of other problems and be spending money in lots of other places that aren't as good for you as ketones. Yeah. What's your take on metformin? Do you use it in many patients for... So I just got an article today that uh, uh, Carl, that Dr. Seeds got from Carl Lenore that's talking again about, I'm, a, I'm not a fan of metformin. Mm-hmm. I've always not really been a huge fan of it because yeah. before I really knew anything about it, I had a lot of patients who had diarrhea. Yeah. I didn't see any weight loss. And the research proves that out, that there really isn't a lot of weight loss with it. I know that there's some, the longevity data I've read, it's very interesting, but it has never, it's always stuck in my craw that it interferes with cytochrome one in the mitochondria. So it's always yeah. been like, Ooh, I don't really want to hurt my mitochondria. Cause I, that is what I use as my energy source. Right. You're to me saying you're fatigued. I know something's happening in your mitochondria. Right. So why would I want to interfere with mitochondrial function in any way? Right. So, uh, Yes, it's free at Publix. Is that a reason to use it? Now that we've come, now that that they've come out with liraglutide that's easily accessible to most people, that's a really hard one to pass up because it does. Uh, it's it's effectual. Uh, its effects are very similar to what um, what metformin does. However, it's got it doesn't affect the mitochondria like metformin does. Right, right. Why would I choose something that hurts my mitochondria? Right. That's always been kind of the debate. And that's kind of the where I've been thinking about that, too. I'm thinking, mm, there's better things. Yeah, I know metformin's cheap, but if there's a better way to do it. Um, I, I know you're a big fan of liraglutide and, and GLPs. Are you using them a lot for patients just for uh, inflammation, metabolic dysfunction, and weight loss, even if they're not diabetic? I mean, obviously, they could be insulin resistant, but if they're kind of borderline or they just as just more if they're not flat out pre-diabetic are you using that your sounds like you're using that quite a bit in that realm absolutely and i'm using it in my patients who for other reasons i might get back a ct scan that shows white matter disease Mm -hmm. for my patients who have uh, heart related problems anybody whose bmi is greater than 25 who is uh, who has one of those things also i'm going to approach the idea of using it anybody who's adiponectin is low anybody who's fasting blood sugar is greater than 84 anybody who's of course A1C is greater than 5.4. If if any of those things are off, I'm probably going to ask them to consider using liraglutide. Also that um, reversed, elevated reverse T3 is another good marker of mitochondrial function. Mm -hmm. And so I might add that liraglutide for them. Right, right. And then uh, do you have like a tiered approach? I know um, 
you mentioned you talked about some of the other things in terms of helping kind of jumpstart patients, whether it's Amlexinox or Tesafensine or Mod SC. So do you have like a tiered approach? You, if they're really in bad shape, you kind of hit them with everything they got, obviously. So here's the hard thing. I would love to try tesafensine. I haven't been able to get can't it. Get, can't get it. Yeah. So <laughs> I've never tried it. I've never prescribed it. I've never tried it. Yeah, I haven't either. I, I tried prescribing it uh, a couple weeks ago. Saying, you know, they're on back order, national back order, apparently. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but. So I have seen, uh, I have a male patient that I used tesamorelin in. Mm -hmm. Again, got to follow the BIA because this guy lost 20 pounds of fat in about six weeks. Wow. wow. He only lost 10 pounds on the scale because he was working out with a trainer and began to put on muscle mass, but he definitely had a huge body composition change. Yeah. I so, bet. Yeah. So I, you have to be cautious with that, with, with, uh, with your female patients, cause they're going to be panicked on the scale with their, uh, with their pounds, not changing so much but they will have significant, that was a pretty significant change in percent body fat. So the, the, um, the other peptides are really like for weight loss that I've seen benefit. I haven't seen, I've tried several patients on the Mlexinox and I didn't see a lot of benefit in those patients. Again, I also treat a lot of patients who don't do their homework. So uh, the, um, yeah. the one, the one thing I've, the two, the couple things I've seen definite weight loss, liraglutide, 5-amino, 1-MQ, mm -hmm. Mod-SC, Dihexa. Mm -hmm. I usually will use the Liraglutide if they have something else. Mm -hmm. I usually will use the, like something, uh, um, pancreas, blood sugar management, something like that. If, they're, if their metabolic flexibility is low, I'll use the Liraglutide. Yeah, yeah, it makes which, sense. It's hard to find a person over 50 who doesn't have some difficulty with metabolic flexibility. Yeah. The, the mod SC I'm going to use on that patient who's talking about energy, fatigue, mm -hmm. and weight loss. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to start that patient. I've been starting 10. I've run into a couple times patients getting elevations in their blood sugar when I start with mod SC at 10. So I'm starting now them at five every other day that I think the Taylor may just came out with the five milligram uh, vials. And so I'm starting them with five now. Yep. And then keeping them on the every other day until I see their weight go down. It typically takes about six weeks for, and then they'll start to drop. That's presuming they're doing their homework. Yeah. Yeah. And then the five amino is also great for energy. You just have to be careful in your anxious patients because they can develop some anxiety. And if you're, if a patient has a lot of senescence or a lot of autoimmune or, or, in, or inflammatory things going on, sometimes you can aggravate them with the modesty or the, or the five um, amino. If you start that before you address their inflammation, have you have you had patients? If again, as long as they're they're eat, they're doing their homework, as you said, working out and eating right, are they able? Do they rebound when they stop any of these? Have you noticed? And or or, or they have kind of stay yes, off. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess your dietitian probably tweaks it. And again, most of your patients, I'm assuming, kind of more of a moderate protein, moderate you know lower carbohydrate diets. Uh, depend on the the patient or their kind of a and theme. It's, I'm, I, I caution even using the phrase lower carbohydrate diet yeah. because your microbiome needs the carbohydrates. Yes. They need the bug. The bugs need them. So that's how you make catholicidins. It's how we make butyrate, which is the fuel source for colon cells. Catholicidins are our natural antibiotics. And so if you are not giving them the carbohydrates that they need, First of all, I think about them like stray cats. They're not going to stay around. If you're not feeding them, they're going to go away. Second, if you're not feeding them, you're destroying the way your body can handle all kinds of things. So for example, your in, uh, intestines are the number one source for serotonin. So mood hormone plus satiety hormone, one of the satiety hormones. If your cells can't make that because they're don't aren't getting the fuels they need then you're gonna have trouble so we need the bugs to eat the carbohydrates so what i like to tell people is simple carbohydrates obvious things donuts muffins cookies you know those sort of things i don't want you to stay away from fruits and vegetables even if they're carbohydrate fruits and vegetables i don't i don't think that's a good way to go right now right. again every person is different and i have some patients who can't eat fruits for whatever reason can't eat because they have, I have a couple ulcerative colitis patients who just don't tolerate unless they're blended already. 
So that's another way you can get them to tolerate the, they can't handle the already processed fiber. So, or the unprocessed fiber from a broccoli, for example, but they can handle it if they have a, uh, we work on their gut and then they, you can put it in a blender in the meantime. Most of them can handle it if it's already processed. Right, right. So you're doing a lot of, uh, you mentioned, we mentioned the, the Genova test, but you're treating a lot of gut issues. Are you seeing a lot of GI issues, constipation, diarrhea, irritable bowel, things of that nature? Yes. And I also consider things like rosacea and eczema and even yeah. things like memory loss or memory concentration difficulties, part of the gut. I, th I think yeah. a lot of them are, you know, even things like we know that there are lipopolysaccharides found in the amyloid beta plaques in our Alzheimer's patients. Mm -hmm. So we also know that 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 um, the the inflammatory chemicals that are produced by the colon cells under stress or the intestinal cells under stress can affect the brain. IL ten, I mean IL seventeen, for example. So if we don't have to, if we can get the gut under control, we can treat a lot of other things. Yeah. A lot of pulmonary and um, and coronary disease can be affected by. So most of the disease states, I'm going to start with what's happening with their intestines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, are you uh, big in terms of doing the, a lot of the things in terms of like, you know, the berberine glutamine and um, probiotics and things, or just kind of feed the fiber and uh, treat, treat anything? What's your take on it? Or do you kind of do, do a little bit of everything? Well, I do glutamine for lots of reasons. I, I love using glutamine for, for kidney function. There's a lot of, there's some good research about glutamine and kidneys. Uh, although more, if I can, I'm starting to use pentasan for that chronic kidney disease and seeing some good improvement right. in there. Okay, that's pretty good. That's kind of exciting. But the the glutamine, I'm using that pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. The other thing I use, yes, berberine, if I think there's some sort of infectious component or, or if there's a um, blood sugar component, I'm going to probably use berberine, mm -hmm. uh, alpha lipoic, something like that. And then... Uh, aloe, if I can get them to do aloe or marshmallow root, a lot, there's a lot of those combination products. We like, you know, designs for health makes GI revive or right. makes glue to shield. Yep. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've tried that. I've tried the glue to shield for myself. Um, what before. did you think? You know, I, I mean, it was fine. I didn't really physically notice much, but, um, it seemed to be okay. I mean, I do glue to me a lot myself. I've, I've had issues with, uh, not some gut issues in the past. I've done a bunch of tests on myself just, just to try them and then. Sure. I've had issues on, you know, not to get uh, gross here, but I mean, I've dealt with some constipation issues through the years. That's why I have a hard time with cutting out the carbs. But even when I load back up sometimes, so I've done a bunch of different tests and tried different things just to see how they work. Um, you ever done the Viome test? Have you ever used that? Or did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, it's mm -hmm. a cool little, cool little system. Their apps are pretty interesting how they have it, kind of everything broken down. I did that on myself just to see what it showed. Right. My so, husband and I did the same. We have some sort of tomato virus that we, so we're supposed to avoid tomatoes, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing my homework. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. One, one of mine on my biomes is something about some virus found in blueberries. So uh, oh. I thought that I'd never heard of that because I love, I love blueberries. I eat a lot of them, but uh, mm -hmm. so I'm, like, I'm going to try uh, and see. Have you, have you done much stuff with, uh, I guess, two other, in terms of, I know everybody wants to, everybody's asking me a lot about peptides. That's why I want to ask you specifically about some of these peptides, because that's what everybody wants to hear about. But uh, I love talking, everything we've talked about so far is, is spot on in terms of what I'm interested in and, and been, been awesome. So thank you. Um, what about healthy patients? Are you using anyone I know they talked about in terms of uh, people that are overall pretty healthy, but want to improve performance in the gym or just maybe lose those last five pounds for you know, people talk about, you know, you mentioned like the Carterine or Mata C if you don't have any issues, they just want to, they just want to do it just to, to, to improve just a little bit. Are you, are you using that with healthy patients or performance? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun part is, I mean, it's, it's fun to see people, people getting better who've been sick for a while, but it's also fun to have those patients who will come back to you after they, the healthy patients who'll come back to you after trying Carterine is probably my favorite. I have a gal who is a, um, a high intensity interval training participant and she said, oh my gosh, I came, I took two of those, uh, I think it's GW510, 516, something, 501, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, five, yeah. She was taking that and uh, she said, oh my gosh, I came back from them. I hit session and it was amazing. And then I had a patient I put on Dihexa. She's a, an executive who travels around the country teaching 
and she was just a little not optimal, she felt. And so I put her on Dihexa and she lost weight and was total energy able to function. So that's pretty wow. amazing. Wow. Wow. And this yeah. is someone who exercises regularly, who's, you know, meditating on a regular basis, who's eating the right things. So yeah, yeah. She's definitely doing her homework. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dihex is one I've not uh, used or tried myself, but uh, something to look into for sure. The Modesty certainly looks interesting as well. And the Carterine, does TaylorMade have Carterine? Or where do you sure do. Yep, two caps. Uh, and usually it's recommended before your workout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, sound, and it doesn't sound like you're too concerned about some of the some of the side effects of the long-term. Because I know those studies that mentioned cancer concern, they were using really high doses, I believe, right? Right. And I'm not using anything for a long time. Everything I'm switching up. I think your cell can figure out what you're doing to it because you're changing, you know, the way that uh, the, the cell functions. So over time, the cell goes, oh, I got this. I figured it out. And so yep. I'm switching them. You know, I'm adjusting what they're doing periodically every six weeks or so. So and then I'm also not having them take it every day. So if you only do your hit workout on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you do a, a straight power lift on Tuesday, Thursday, or a yoga class, don't take it before your yoga class. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. What's, um, what about, have you, uh, done any, uh, obviously you do a lot of hormone replacement therapy too, or with, with, uh, especially with wells, females, but definitely with men using a kiss peptin and as well with DSIP instead of TRT or. So I haven't used DSIP for replacing TRT, but I've definitely used kiss peptin. I have a couple of young men who have used uh, anabolic steroids for many years and have now gotten to the point where they're not functioning anymore. Yeah. And so using Kispeptin, you can get them to kickstart their, their system back to functioning. I haven't get, been able to get them off of it permanently, off mm-hmm. of Kispeptin permanently. So we'll do a six-week rotation and then we'll do something else and we'll come back to it. Um, I use the, the uh, growth hormone secretagogues for that also because they increase LH and FSH production. And so mm-hmm. you're increasing the body's own natural. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone by using growth hormone secretagogues. Yeah. Because I'm getting their growth hormone up, I'm getting their sleep. Well, that's three birds. I mean, 85 birds because I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that peptide. Um, yeah. And because you're getting them to have better deep sleep, you're getting their testosterone up, you're helping them with lipolysis, you're slowing down, you're reversing senescence. I mean, this is a, these are great. Are you using a lot of uh, Clomid or HCG or not so much? So I use, I, I usually will start with Clomid. It's free at Publix. So I will usually yeah. start, start with Clomid because it's available and I can do it in a couple of weeks. And it depends on how quickly you want to get better. And, you know, Clomid's going to take several weeks to see a change versus, um, have you seen it be faster than that? No. Slow. Yeah. So, so that's, so I like the Kiss Peptin for that reason. And then you can switch them over. And if they have problems or side effects, you can use, uh, you can use something like the, uh, uh, GHRPs or GHRH, GHRPs. You can use, you can use the DSIP, but I haven't seen it be consistently effective for that. So I haven't used it for that, for, yeah. for testosterone specifically. Right. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Uh, and I was curious about the Kispept in terms of how long, because I know some people have mentioned concerns. I've read some things about, you know, can it affect, uh, if it was atherosclerosis or blood pressure or some other some other concerns about long term use, so that's why. I, and I posted that on the forums a while back. I haven't heard heard much about it, but yeah. I was so that's always. I, I I typically I'm a big fan of six weeks. I think that's a good length of time for people to try things. Yeah. It usually ends up if I say six weeks, it usually ends up being two months because sometimes they'll buy two vials and yeah. they just use it up. If I said three months, it would end up being four or five. So if I say six weeks, they're probably going to do two months and then they're switching to something different. So we'll, we'll attack their system from a different angle. And then usually through that rotation, there's probably four or five things we can rotate through that rotation. We'll find something that they're going to respond well. And then we can do that, put that in a higher rotation than we do everything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's your, do you have a lot of many of your, any, uh, little tricks you've used for sleep i know a lot of people myself included have uh, had um sleep maintenance insomnia no problem going to sleep but waking up you know multiple times or waking up at three in the morning not going back to sleep so what's any uh things you've encountered in that realm 
Well, of course there's the homework. You got to make sure that you're not doing too much sugar before you go to sleep. And the biggest culprit is alcohol. So we've got to make sure we're limiting alcohol. That's probably our biggest, our biggest problem. Uh, the, the second thing is environment where you're sleeping and our partners, you know, I, the same thing happened to me for a long time. My partner was, um, my husband was, uh, snoring. And so we got his snoring fixed. Hallelujah. And it's wonderful. Uh, but, the, there's a couple other things. I really, really love melatonin. I know that sounds crazy because people have been talking about it, but I love the sustained release melatonin. Um, that's where yeah. I've seen so much benefit. If I can get patients to do that sustained release, they really do well. But then I'm, I'm a big fan of using the growth hormone secretagogues because you're going to get, if you use mm-hmm. a growth hormone secretagogue and you do the sustained release melatonin, we also use um, uh, the, um, if, if you're doing things during the day, obviously doing things during the day. Uh, L-theanine, chill pill, meditation, mindfulness practice, contemplative prayer, whatever your uh, preference there is, so that you're making sure that you're keeping your cortisol levels lower during the day. We use, I have an energy healer that I work very closely with and refer a lot of patients to see myself. And uh, she's wonderful and is very helpful in getting those sort of cognitive dissonance problems Mm -hmm. resolved. Yeah. And you can get then and getting you to sort of let go of the outcome so that you're you're not tied to what's going to happen. How am I going to sort of that's where where a lot of people have trouble. That's what wakes me up in the middle of the night is, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do in, in Eric's podcast? So, right. Right. <laughs> so um, if you're yep. doing that nighttime uh, growth hormone secretagogue and then you're using the sustained release melatonin. And then during doing your homework during the day, which I would include, you know, some sort of mindfulness practice, I think you're going to find that you sleep better. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one thing I've struggled with personally. And I, I, it's really cool about the energy healing. And I, I'm, I, uh, I try to do some mindfulness meditation in the morning and the evening and I sleep. And of course, everybody gets mad at me because I, I cranked it. I crank it down. So it's really cold at night. And everybody yes, gets you have to. Optimal sleep cold. temperature is 68 degrees. Yeah, hear that? Yeah, my, my teenager's in the other room. He's always yelling at me. He's like, Dad, it's so cold in here. I'm like, I like it cold. It helps me sleep. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you, especially if you are, if you are doing resistance training on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you're just going to have a higher body temperature. My aura ring is, you know, high, I have a high temperature. And Dude. so you just have to realize that you're running at a higher body temperature and your optimal sleep temperature is about 68 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So what's your, what's your favorite, what's your fitness routine look like for you personally? Uh, I do a hit class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I do a power. I just started to, this is my third session yesterday with my power lifting class. Oh yeah. Uh, Two, yeah. Three, this just last week and this week. That's been really fun. And then I usually will run three or four miles on a Saturday or Sunday with my dog. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know some, I I was going to ask you that because I know a lot of, obviously a lot of women respond well to high intensity where a lot also are not so much and do more of the walking, you know, slow, slow kind of thing. So it kind of varies, but, uh, so the powerlifting, what are you doing? Are you doing a lot of like Olympic lifts or deadlifts and a little bit of everything or what do you get? Well, I just there? started. So I'm working on my form and I did this because I keep injuring myself in my high intensity classes, right? A little competitive. <laughs> and so I'm, I yeah. push myself harder than I probably should. And, and I'm injuring myself in my class. You know, I'm also doing growth hormone secretagogue. So my muscles are pretty strong. My tendons are less. So I got to, I'm, I'm yeah. on the BPC, taking my BPC. I'm taking my TB4, trying to keep yep. those, st- but I'm trying to switch it up a little bit so that I'm not at, at, at as much risk. And the trainer I have, who's really great. Thanks, she, Rick. for my, um, the trainer I have for my powerlifting is great. She's really changed the way I do things. So, oh, really? so far, all I've done is bench press and deadlift and squat. We did a whole class that was just squats. It was great. It was a challenge because, and we started with a Smith machine and kind of gradually increased to a back squat. It was, she was amazing. She's terrific. It's just a little, you know, bro gym around the corner from here called Roswell Barbell. They're, it was great. Both of the trainers in there are amazing. That's awesome. I'm Mm -hmm. glad because I, you know, I see a lot of people that unfortunately are thrown in, they get like 10 minutes and they, and that's why, you know, especially like powerlifting, CrossFit, so many people get injured because they're not taught the right way to do it. So that's, sounds like they're doing it the right way. She's doing great. You look at them, you're like, oh, it's a squad. That's easy, but there's a lot to it. You know, well, and if you, if you look, so I have, I belong to a Facebook group called Barbells and Ponytails 
And Love it. Um, if you see a lot of the before and after pictures, there's a lot of before and after pictures where the girl is, this is my running picture. This is my weightlifting picture. Uh-huh, you yeah. see the difference and they look so much better in the, better. in the weightlifting picture. You yeah. know, they have the hourglass shape they're looking for. They're, they're much more fit. It's, it's a, it's definitely a difference. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's, it's like that classic, uh, marathon runner picture versus the sprinter pictures. Like yeah. who do you want to look like, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you know, if you're doing the powerlifting, you're doing fat burning. So that's part of what, that's part of what you have. And when you're doing things like, like running, I see a lot of sarcopenic runners mm-hmm. yeah. who are, who are, have a fairly high body percent body fat because they're, and they're eating sugar all the time. You know, one of my, one of my marathon runner patients is, she has a, a cheesecake in her refrigerator all the time. She's just eating. Yeah. I don't know. Does, yeah. Doesn't, she doesn't do her homework. Right. <laughs> she doesn't do her homework. Except she's running. She is exercising. At least she's doing something, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, my goodness. What do you, how, what do you, uh, what, what do you read, I guess, and look at online, Suzanne? Because that's one thing, obviously, information overload, but in terms of finding uh, data, studies, research articles, or even commentaries on everything that we're talking about, peptides, hormones, health, it, how do you, do you have a process that you screen and, and, and find certain things? Because it's so easy to get on PubMed and you could read for hours, but I don't know if it's any good or not, you know, kind of Radical. thing. So what mm-hmm. journal, like what journals do you read? Like what's your process for fine-tuning everything with that. so I'm looking for I'm looking for disease state and I'm looking for therapy right mm-hmm. so I um, have figured out mostly <laughs> um, how peptides work right you figure out what the cellular process is that that particular peptide affects and then I have patient come in to see me who has certain disease state and I figure out what their biochemistry of their disease state what is that biochemistry? So my ALS patients, for example, I'll go in and see, I know that they have a misfolded protein problem, particularly TDB43. I know that they have a lot of inflammation. Their, their macrophages are, in, are spewing out inflammatory chemicals. So inflammation is a huge part of their disease process. And that's before we even get to the problem of their, uh, their nerve damage and, and muscle disconnection, the nerve and muscle disconnection. And so we know that we have to get their inflammation under control. I know that, so there's, there's few human studies with a lot of peptides. So I know that TA1, for example, is going to help convert that henny-penny inflamed macrophage spewing inflammatory chemicals into the janitor macrophage, calming (laughs) things down, taking the trash out, getting rid of those misfolded proteins. So if I can slam that patient with an anti-inflammatory like TA1, like TB4, like BPC157, like melanotan, uh, like growth hormone secretagogues at some point, then I know I'm getting their inflammation down, which is preventing the progress of that disease state. Then I begin to address their their, uh, cellular inefficiency with things like MOD-SC, um, like, like five amino one MQ, all those things. So, and, and bumping up their, their growth hormone secreting ops. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And so where, where do I go for my information? Uh, I go to, uh, I start with up to date. I know that seems kind of simple, but I want to know what the disease, the known disease state and what the known treatment courses are. And then I'll go to, I go to Google scholar. Do you know mm-hmm. Google Scholar? Yeah, yep. love, love, love Google Scholar. Yeah. Get rid of the patents. Get yeah. your your years correct. Yeah, and then go to Google Scholar, and then I use um I use that that lovely little secret, get your full articles <laughs> website that I love. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good. What any uh, do you what's your uh, what else is going on in, in in your world right now? What do you have on the agenda of upcoming uh, presentations, lectures, any personal projects you're working on, family stuff? Sure. So of course the holidays. I have a one year old and a three month old grandsons. Oh, okay, grandsons. Very yeah. fun. Yes. Wow. Awesome. And, and Max just said my name for the first time. It's very tearful. That was awesome. awesome. <laughs> and then in February, so this coming weekend, I'm going to Vegas. Will you be there? Unfortunately, I will not, but uh, I want to come. I want to come one of these times. I've heard it's, I've never been to the A4M. I've heard it's uh, quite the show. The vendor hall is amazing. I'm sure. It's like 600 vendors. It's pretty amazing. 
That was pretty wild. So I'm going for that. And I'm, of course, looking forward to seeing lots of the usual suspects. I'm not sure Uzi's going to be there, but Betsy is going to be there. Yeah. So super exciting to see all those people. Yeah. And networking. And yep. then I'll be speaking at the peptide certification courses in February in LA. Yeah. And then at IPS in the summer. Mm -hmm. And yep. then peptide courses again in the fall. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the summer one, I just saw the email, but it's in Denver, I think, in July. Yes. Right? Fun, yeah. right? I love Denver. It's my, one of my, I love, I, I'm a big skier, so I love to get out west any chance I can get. <laughs> yeah. You know, my family's from Colorado, but I've never been skiing in Colorado. Oh, really? They're, they're cattle ranchers. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. funny. So you're in Roswell. How far are you from, uh, like, Alpharetta and uh, rest of Atlanta, I guess? From Alpharetta, I'm about a mile. Oh, really? From downtown Atlanta, I'm about 10 miles. Yeah, so about an hour and a half in traffic, yeah. Yes, you got it. <laughs> You've been here, apparently. I've been there. I've been, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> my best friend, he's a college buddy. He lives in Alpharetta. He's been there oh. for a long time, and I've I've been with him in that Atlanta traffic a few times. But, uh, um, but yeah, he lives in Alpharetta, so uh, I, I was down. I, I don't get to see him as often as I would like to, but gosh, if I ever get down there in the future, I'll have to let you know. I'll have to, it's uh, fun. I'll yeah. You just have to pick your travel time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Excellent. What do you, any, uh, non-medical stuff you're, uh, you're reading right now? Any good, good, uh, non-medical books you've read? I always like to, I like to read. I always like asking people what they're reading. So I finished reading Educated, which I loved. What a great book. Tara Westover, I think was yeah. the author. That was great. And I could, I couldn't bear that it was over. So I went to find every YouTube and interview she ever did so I could hear more <laughs> about her. Yeah. And then uh, I'm reading, of course, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. He reads the audio. I say read. I listen to it on audiobook. Audiobooks. Yeah. So, yeah. He, yeah. he reads the audiobook and his voice is great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I try to mix it up too. I listen to some audiobooks and read some books. I reread a lot of books that I've had that are just good. Like I'm rereading uh, The Slight Edge. Um, mm. That's a good one. Uh, it's just more of a personal development uh type book um uh what's his name um have you read uh blanking on his name now the 48 laws of power or the 48 laws no. of war that's no. kind of interesting too so Excellent. Uh, yeah yeah so well hey i want to wrap it up i want to be respectful of your time um i'd love to have you back on again sometime we got like i said we could talk forever so uh thank you so much i appreciate you having you on having you on my pleasure it's great to talk to you take care yeah so look much. forward to the future all right bye